Hey, Trojan fans, welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast. We are here talking with Shane Foley, former USC quarterback. We're going to have a little bit later on in the show talking to Lawrence Jackson, uh, former first-round NFL draft pick, uh, former USC defensive end. So we're going to talk to these guys about what's been going on at USC. If you've been under a rock and you don't know, uh, USC lost to UCLA. Ed Orgeron's out of town. Steve Sarkeesian's the new head coach. Lots of stuff has been going on. So we're going to get Shane and Lawrence on here and, and ask them about what they thought. Shane, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, Ryan, everything's going great. A lot of changes, as you said, over in the land of Troy. So a uh, lot uh, feels like the UCLA game was a month ago. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like so long ago. The last few days when stuff like this happens, it, you know, I've been covering the team for a while, but not you know, the social media aspect has changed it a lot. I mean, I, you're in an office, you're working a regular job. Like my regular job is now, you know, sitting in my chair on my desk or whatever and, and watching Twitter go by and reading our message boards and making calls and trying to figure out what's going on. It's been absolutely crazy these last few days. Yeah, well, I do sit at a desk and so I do have meetings, but I've had a lot of people and a lot of clients of mine that want to talk USC football and want to talk about transitions and everything that's taking place. So there is a lot of that right now, especially as we get into holiday time. People are taking a little extra time, and with information traveling as fast as it does, I can only imagine how busy it was on your end, but I got a lot of phone calls, a lot of Twitter, a lot of Facebook, a lot of different uh, social mediums that uh, were coming at me, and uh, you know, a lot of phone calls as well. So it's been a busy, busy time, no doubt about it. Um, all right, well, we wanted to get into all of these aspects of what's been going on with the program and get your thoughts on this before we do. If you want to check him out on Twitter, it's Shane. Foley underscore USC, or you can go read his Foley report at shanefoley.com is where you can kind of check it out. We'll, we'll touch on the game a little bit. Uh, I know we, we've, we've delayed the podcast just because there's so much breaking stuff going on with the coaching right. and, and all that stuff. But just want to you know, get your quick thoughts on what happened. USC did not look like the same team that we saw the last several weeks uh, hitting into that UCLA game. Yeah, very surprising, very disappointing game for all the Trojans out there. It was a very, very tough game. I think we had a lot of momentum going in, clearly winning uh, six straight conference games and and uh, had a lot of momentum riding high, 6-0 and under Orgeron, 6-1 and with the Notre Dame loss. But going into that rivalry game, I think we look back to the game the previous year where we actually sleptwalked 24-0 in the Rose Bowl. And I think that uh, everybody felt like this was a completely different feel and Certainly the media talked about it a lot as he went in as a three to three and a half point favorite. And so I think there was a lot of expectations coming in uh, with USC playing a great brand of football, running the ball, being able to run the ball well, being able to pass, win the turnover battle, uh, and being able to really match the energy that Jim Mora has created in the culture and the buy-in that they've got at UCLA across town. I think there was a lot of expectations that we were going to come in and and, uh, really be able to match or or beat that level, being a home game, uh, for the Trojans at the Coliseum, I think that was really the expectation. And so to see what took place on the field, uh, it really just was a frustrating experience because SC, you know, the Trojans got handled in all phases of the game, offensively, defensively, and on special teams. Uh, we got beat and uh, certainly did not look like the better team that day. UCLA had a lot more speed. Uh, Brett Hundley clearly was the difference in the football game. Uh, plus the two turnovers that we had were, were very uh, telling as well. So I think that and just the overall speed, they, they had more depth and they had more speed getting out on the perimeter against our uh, defense, hurt us with swing passes, hurt us with, with quick uh, quick outs and quick passes, 
and certainly with Hundley's uh, legs. It was no hocus-pocus or magic that they did, and uh, we, we saw teams defend them well. We saw what Arizona State did, really played on their side of the line of scrimmage, got up big early on them at the Rose Bowl to clinch the, uh, the South Division, and we saw what Stanford and how they defended them. So there was no real magic to what it was they did. They just out-executed us, uh, and they actually, I think, out-coached us as well. Well, speaking of coaching, uh, once that happened, a lot of people anticipated that Ed Orgeron would uh, at least be seriously considered if he was able to go 7-1 and one during his eight-game stretch and, and beat UCLA. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, getting blown out by UCLA, uh, beat pretty soundly, was probably didn't help his cause at all. Um, I don't. What were your thoughts on the whole situation where Ed Orgeron's not going to be around to uh, coach the, the bowl game? Uh, he, you know, addressed the team. Left he left in tears. The team was in tears, and is no longer part of the USC coaching staff. Well, let's back up just a minute because I think that's something that's pertinent. You know, there were a lot of people uh, and big, big name guys that played in the program and that really were advocates of dropping the interim tag for for Coach Ogeron with the success he had. And there's a lot of emotion, a lot of hype, especially from the depth and the despair that USC had starting 0-2 in the conference and getting blown out by ASU, I think you have to take a look at just a humongous year of adversity and transition. And so for Coach Orgeron to pick up the pieces, to do what he did, to be the leader he was, and to really simplify things, it really wasn't that complicated, but just being able to get guys to connect to him, to the program, to buy into what it was they were doing, you saw USC having fun playing the game again. And so it was a wonderful thing to see as an alum and as, an, as a former player, and you know, really for all the Trojans to really see that uh, taking place. And so, But I, as you recall, I, I was very much uh, suggesting that we needed to wait and see how we performed against UCLA. I, I said that you know it was very important for USC. The benchmark is how we play against our rivals. We had a, a tough game at Notre Dame, and a game that we should have won with missed opportunities in, in that game. And then certainly UCLA, uh, we just got outplayed really, I think, from start to finish and uh, lost to the better team that day, which is a whole other subject. <laughs> but um, I think getting to your question now, I think with Coach Orgeron moving on, uh, we'll always, I think, be indebted to him. Pat Hayden talked a lot about how indebted we need to be and really one of the greatest of them all. I agree. Uh, he really, I think, bleeds Carl and Gold, represents USC and what it means to be a Trojan, understood that, and really picked up the pieces at a time that could have really been tough. I, I really equate what I think the direction the USC was headed was really like Florida. You know, I, I would be surprised if we were much better than 4-8 and eight if we had stayed on the course that we had been on. So I think we'll, we'll always have to remember Remember Coach Orgeron stepping in and stepping up at a time and putting the pieces back together when we really needed them. Uh, it affects recruiting and it affects not only this year but uh, next year and years to come. So it was a big, big deal. Um, not having him now, I think that it was frustrating to probably see the way things uh, finished up. Disappointing. Um, not really making any judgment about how it was, how he left and, and, what, and what happened because I wasn't there and I don't really know what the inside story was with how things played out and how we found out about, uh, about not being the head guy. But I'd be surprised, you know, I, I did watch the press conference post-UCLA. I did hear some of the comments he made during the course of the season. 
I certainly respect the resume that he put together and what he was able to do in, in, in a short period of time. And the team, until that last game, really improved week in and week out until the UCLA game where we just got thoroughly outplayed. Um, but it surprises me that he'd have such a negative reaction or, or such an expectation that he'd be named the head guy because he, know he, he knows he lost to UCLA and Notre Dame. He acknowledged that. Um, he talked about you know, having the right coach in here long term, uh, which is what Pat talked about, you know, it not being an emotional decision. So it surprises me a little bit. And again, I don't know the details as to how things happened. You know, you have the what happened and, and how it happened. And, and so the two differences between the two, I don't know a lot about. But we lost a great one with Coach Orgeron. Certainly, I, I'd love to see these guys finish up and then have a good quality bowl game. You know, we can get into Coach Sarkeesian because we have a, a changing of the guard and, and a great Trojan and I think a, a great leader that's coming back to lead the troops now. And, and that's really where our focus needs to be in short order. Yeah, it does. And uh, Steve Sarkeesian, you mentioned him. He was uh, named. We kind of got the word of it Monday morning. Uh, it was actually weird. I went in to do a podcast with Steve Mason over at ESPN, drove downtown Monday morning to do this podcast. We're taping it, and like by the time I get out of the podcast, where we talked about all the different coaching candidates, we kind of came down to three. And good thing for us, I guess Sarkeesian was one of them, but no one's ever going to hear this because by the time we got out of the podcast, before they could even put it up, then the word starts right. breaking. It's Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I don't know if you were yeah. shocked by that or, or what your initial thoughts were when you heard. Well, I I truly didn't know who the guy was going to be, Ryan, because. Uh, one of my former teammates called me, and it was funny. I was on my cell phone, so I didn't hear, have a really good connection. When he told me, they just named, and all I heard was the last part of the name, so like a you know an A-N type of name or an E-N. And so I thought he said, we just hired Peterson. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, needless to say, I mean, I am pretty close to the program, but not that close because, uh, no, he said, no, Sarkeesian. And, uh, you know, and obviously a pretty big shift from Peterson to Sarkeesian. So I, I really didn't know, um, you know, that he was going to get the job. And it makes sense. In retrospect now, I think his hiring is a very good thing, I think, for USC. I think he's a guy that understands the landscape, the culture. It was interesting to hear his press conference uh, talking about his fifth time back at USC and did not realize that he came here to play uh, – baseball at USC and lived in Fleur Tower where I, you know, where the freshman football team uh, lived when, when I was in school back, back in the day. And so I think, it, you know, it is a coming home of sorts. I think it is a long-term view. I think you know, Coach Sarkeesian is going to be a great fit for, for USC. I think really what we need to focus on and what he needs to focus on now is getting the right staff in place because everybody around us is getting better, namely across town at UCLA and uh, you know, Coach Paul Amalo that's gone across town. We can talk about that in a little bit, but really across the board, and certainly at UCLA uh, doing a lot of great things and a big win and two wins in a row over the Trojans. Very tough for all of us Trojans out there, but you know, really looking at the conference, David Shaw with what he's done at, at Stanford, taking a look at Mike Leach, Rich Rodriguez, not to mention uh, Todd Graham at Arizona State and the success you know he turned this year into and what he's done. Uh, namely, you know, Oregon had a bad loss and a surprising loss to Arizona, but they really haven't missed too much of a beat at ten and two. So, really, from top to bottom, you know, Colorado's getting better and you know can continue to get better. 
So I just think across the board, you know, we're going to have to step up and step up quickly. He's got to get the right staff in place, but I do think he's a good hire. One thing I will say, Ryan, is if you take a look at the last three hires that USC's had, I think people by and large have been underwhelmed by the hires. And certainly we can go back to Pete Carroll. I remember vividly when he was hired, a lot of people, uh, the majority of them, uh, were very unhappy. You know, were very, you know, surprised, angered by that decision. And he was the fourth pick. You know, you take a look at Riley Erickson and Bellotti, then it all turned down the job. Riley obviously couldn't get out of his contract with the with the uh, Chargers, or else he probably would have been our head coach. But uh, so he was the fourth pick, and obviously parlayed it into pretty decent success, as we know now. Um, <laughs> uh, coach Kiffin obviously coming in in a different situation. Uh, that was well thought of, uh, actually because of really at the time the brain trust that was in place with, with Monty Kiffin, who was a guru coming from Tampa Bay and had a lot of success that first year in defending Alabama and Florida while at uh, Tennessee. And so him coming in, Ed Orgeron coming back, you know, negotiating to bring Kennedy uh, Polamalu back from the Titans. So this was an exciting time. They were talking about getting Norm Chow to come back, and obviously that didn't happen. But I'm kind of taking us through the evolution of this because it's been underwhelming to an extent with the last three hires. And so I know there's a lot of wait and see out there. I know there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, well, let's just see what he does. But he's a Trojan. You know, he is the head coach at USC. We need to get behind him and all the people that are still chattering for, for Coach Orgeron need to get over it. It's done. He's moved on. He deserves, and I think he has earned a right to be a head coach somewhere, and, and I, I wish him all the success in the world. But Steve Sarkeesian is the head coach at USC, and so we need to get behind him, and we need to get the right staff in here, and we need to look forward, not backward, and get this thing uh, on track right now. Well, you mentioned uh, Kennedy Palomalo a couple times in there, and uh, the, uh, I know you have a relationship with him. You know him, and, and what were your thoughts when you found out he was going to actually go across town and go uh, and coach for UCLA? Well, selfishly, and as a Trojan and as a former player and a guy that uh, I didn't play with him. He was a senior when I was a senior at Newport Harbor High School, and so we just missed, but gotten, you know, certainly knew each other from playing and have gotten to know each other, live in the same community now. And uh, he is a good friend and a guy that I respect and admire as a coach and uh, as a person, and I think that uh, he's uh, going to do a tremendous job over there. Uh, selfishly, I think that's really, you know, I think it's too bad <laughs> that he's going to be doing a good job at our crosstown rival, and it's a loss. I think it's a it's a tough situation for us, but as you know, he was fired last year. I'm not really going to get into the details of that, but I, I think that that was something that wasn't his decision to leave USC. Fans and people need to remember that. And, you know, Coach Sarkeesian, you know, coming in, it's a it's a carousel. You know, he's got guys that he's trying to bring in from Washington. T. Martin, I know, is named as a as a guy that's going to stay with the staff. You know, he's working through all the, the, the processes for it. Um, obviously, I think Jim Mora have a lot of respect for him and for what he's done at UCLA and what he's doing at UCLA. Uh, he didn't waste any time. They fired their coach across town, the running back coach, engaged Kennedy Palomalu personally, reached out to him directly, uh, contacted him and talked about his vision and and uh, what he's looking to do over there, which you know certainly is, uh, I don't think, a good thing for us. Um, I think that uh, in talking to him, you have to also kind of think about 
these coaches in their personal lives. You know, the guys that are on staff right now that have homes here, that have kids in schools here, that uh, that have their lives that, that we don't think about, I think that a lot of the fans don't think about, you know, really what that looks like for people. And so Coach Palomalo, you know, still was under contract with SC this year, but he was coaching at Loyola High School. He has a son that's a sophomore quarterback that played for the Cubs this year at Loyola. And so he wanted to get back to coaching. And first thing he told me was, you know, hey, I want to get back to working with young people. It's what I do. It's what I love. I need to be teaching. I need to be coaching. And so I think that was a big part of it. So I understand it personally with him needing to get back and having a coach that has a vision and that reached out to him and took the initiative to reach out to a Trojan across town and, and, and bring him into the fold. It's, it's disappointing and frustrating. And, you know, I think we can all look back to Coach Carroll doing the same thing with Ken Norton, who was obviously one of the great linebackers ever to play at UCLA and, and a longtime NFL guy. And so I think that was pretty similar. You know, I think in a sense it's it's different in a sense that uh, Carl Durrell opted not to bring in Ken Norton as a linebacker coach and did not offer him the job. Coach Sarkeesian, I don't think there was enough time uh, for Coach Sarkeesian to even engage Kennedy and even talk about that and, and uh, you know, put some of that together. So um, I think that's one of the things that we need to, um, you know, kind of look at and, and one of the differences – um, between the two, but it's, you know, all in all, it's, you know, it's a great hire, I think, for UCLA. He's a guy that can recruit the inner city. He's a guy that any player that's played for him loves him, and they relate to him, and will run through a wall for him, but, uh, you know, again, I think now we need to turn our attention back to USC, control what we can, control what takes place at USC, get the right running back coach, get the right defensive coordinator, run the right defense over there, get the right recruit, you know, recruiting guys that can, can you know, that can relate and get into the inner cities and, and battle and do battle. I mean, we got to call in the cavalry on this, Ryan, because they are ramping up over there big time. And that's something that we need to do um, right now to uh, to get our arms around as many you know great players as we can and, and start building some momentum. Well, let's talk about the the change of the guard here. Steve Sarkeesian taking over. I mean, offensive guy. He's known as an offensive guy, you know, similar to Lane Kiffin. What He, he was known as an offensive guy. He's, he's said he's going to call the plays, uh, so you'll still see that play sheet might not be as big as the Denny's menu. He also <laughs> said in the, the press conference, it's going to be a simpler offense. It's not going to be uh, an NFL style where Lane Kiffin has these really long explanations for plays and, and it takes a little bit longer to get in there. It's going to be a more up-tempo offense. And uh, he said it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a mobile quarterback or, you know, a running quarterback. USC doesn't really have, um, you know, the, the very super athletic quarterbacks on the, the roster right now. But with with his offense, you saw what he was able to do at Washington. It looks like he's going to try to do a similar thing uh, here at USC. What what are your thoughts going forward at USC offense under Steve Sarkeesian? Well, I think we need to that that is probably one part of it that that will be a wait and see because you know I think if you look at uh, Coach Sarkeesian and his body of work up at up at Washington, let's back up a little bit and talk a little bit about that. I think inheriting an 0-12 team up there. It's arguable that his best year was really the turnaround year, going five and seven in the first year and getting the buy-in and and really having that success. You know, even though it was a losing season, to come in and turn around a program that was really destitute. So I think that was a big, big deal. You know, the next three years they go seven and five. They're eight and four this year. 
playing a very competitive brand of football. They certainly had some problems early with their defense up there. Nick Holt was let go, gave, you know, giving up 67 to, to Bay, uh, Baylor in the bowl game. So there were some issues, you know, on the other side of the ball. I think they their offense has been innovative. They've had very good production. I think he did a great job with Jake Locker up there. Uh, certainly the development with uh, Keith Price. Uh, you know, who's battled some injuries, but I think has has become a very had become a very productive quarterback uh, under the development uh, from Coach Sarkeesian. So I think that that's that bodes well. It's a very positive thing. I think you know Bishop Sankey and running the ball physically. I think they've really recruited some great uh, linemen up there. Uh, you know, Bob Crane's son, Dane Crane, is a as a, a you know player up there that uh, has has done well. So I think you know you've got a lot of a lot of talent in the trenches and a lot more depth to work with up there. I think that uh, I you know I'm not really comparing Coach Sarkeesian to Lane Kiffin at all. I, I think you know again Pat Hayden's talked about it. Uh, you know I think it's they're two very different people, completely different people. He blazed his own path going up to Washington. He had some success. Maybe not the breakout success and never really turned the corner like I think a lot of people, including myself, would have liked to have seen a year where he had a 10 or 11 win season, had been on the BCS or the national picture. And it was really tough, I think, for him to get over the hump. Certainly, as a conference, we talked a little bit about it earlier. I mean, with Stanford and, and, uh, and Oregon and the success they've had in the Pacific Northwest, I mean, they've been very much in the national picture and the national scene and dominating. Uh, for the last few years up there, you know, in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And so it's been a tough landscape. And obviously they beat Stanford last year, the one team to do that. They beat USC a couple times, including the 16-13 to 13 game in Pete's uh, last uh, run uh, here at SC. And so he has had some success. He has had some signature wins. He's done some things well. I'm looking forward to seeing the offense. I know it's going to be more up-tempo. I think he is going to, you know, have good quarterback production. I think he's going to make sure that, um, you know, we distribute the football and have balance. I think all those things are good, but I think there's going to be some some flavor and some nuances that uh, we have not seen at USC. And so I'm excited to see some of the changes, and hopefully it's going to be on balance a, a very good transition for the Trojans. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see what's kind of going on with the offense. And I, I know during the coaching search, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Shane, um, there's some people that wanted the traditional, the, the, the USC offense, the pro style, they wanted that. And there's others that wanted to go look like Baylor or Art Bryles or Oregon and, and spread it out and, and do that. Do you think this is kind of a, I don't, I'm going to say a compromise, but maybe it's the best word. If something where it's, it's going to be a little bit more up-tempo, it'll be a simpler play call sheet. Uh, so it's more of like a, what you would see at an Oregon or a Baylor where it's not as many plays. It's not as NFL complicated. But it's still going to you know it's still going to be a run first offense. It'll still utilize tight ends and things like that. Well, I, I think it's a good question, Ryan. I think really what any coach, the onus is on them to really understand their personnel, and so you have to coach with what you have. I've talked a lot about it in the Foley Report and what I write about. It's 11 on 11, and so you know we can't make excuses as Trojans. We there's no moral victories, uh, any of that stuff. Um, it just is, is not worth even talking about. But to the point of different styles and what it is he's bringing in, I think it's one thing to talk about USC as a traditional power. You know, black cleats, thankfully we got rid of the Ronald McDonald look that we had last year. <laughs> but no names, you know, no names on the back of the jerseys. Really the one team still to really stay with that tradition. 
I mean, there's a couple of them out there, you know, uh, that haven't really moved, moved around a lot. But Penn State, obviously, with their situation, put names on the back of their jerseys to identify the individuals, understand that move. Notre Dame has gone to some, you know, disco type of uh, uniforms and variations that they've got, uh, you know, with their deal. USC's really uh, tr- uh, tried true and stayed with that tradition. But that's really talking about, you know, the uniforms and, you know, the culture there. I think from a play-calling standpoint and from a style standpoint, you've got to coach with what you've got. And right now we don't have a lot of depth in the uh, the offensive line and the defensive line, you know. And so, you know, we have to make sure that we uh, are, are running – the types of offenses that are best suited and, and recruit to what it is you've got. But in the meantime, you know, we've got to coach uh, with the players that we have, you know, and, and really take a look at that. You know, if you've got a smaller, you know, offensive line, and I'm not saying SEs is, but, uh, you know, you're going to really um, – you know, do more angle blocking. You're going to be moving a lot more. You know, just straight head-to-head blocking. You know, we're going to get you're get you you're going to have the tendency to get beat in those situations. And so, I think the same thing goes. You know, depending on, hopefully, we're going to be able to keep a lot of the juniors on this team or draft eligible sophomores and juniors uh, that are, that are on the team now. Um, hopefully, we're going to be able to keep a nucleus of those guys. But um, I think it's a good thing, really, to be able to be innovative. Maybe a word that's uh, overused a little bit, innovative. But I think you know, having an innovative offense and uh, you know, an ability to attack a defense, you know, based on the quarterback that you have, quarterback play uh, on a football team, regardless of offense, is very, very important. You know, whether you're a running team or a passing team. But being able to, you know, being able to lead, be a general manager, a game manager, a field manager, all of those types of things, and having the confidence to inspire your team really comes from the quarterback. And so, I think that quarterback development is going to be important. We had some good games out of Cody Kessler and some some very um, consistent and accurate games. Uh, there were a couple of games in there that, uh, you know, he could have done some things better and could have gotten the ball out of his hand quicker and, and all of those types of things. So long answer to your question, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I think stylistically, I think it's a good thing to be able to open up the, uh, the attack and, and, and really, uh, coach to, to what the personnel gives us. All right. Then one last thing for you, before you let you go, I know you got, uh, sure. you got work to do, uh, in the real world out there. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> well, from the players' point of view, uh, everyone knows. So when when this went down and the, they had their press conference, Ed Orgeron talked to the players, was crying. The players were crying. It wasn't really a. It was on Monday when he left, and then Sarkeesian met with the players about five hours later that evening. And it, it, it's usually when you're hiring a head coach, especially after the, the the previous head coach wasn't all that popular. It should be a joyous occasion, but the the mood on campus was more funeral-like than anything. I mean, people were really depressed. Uh, So it was a weird situation for him to come into. What do you see this transition like being for the players? Because I know maybe you can relate this to what you had gone through. You had gone through a coaching change yourself as well when you were at USC. So what maybe what you went through and then what these players are going to have to go through. You know, each situation is different, and these guys, it was well chronicled in the press conference. I mean, the adversity that they've had as a team, really with the older guys, you know, going through, you know, Pete Carroll leaving to go to Seattle, and then, you know, then Lane Kiffin and that staff that we talked about earlier coming in, and the sanctions being handed down, and that really changing everything. You know, and then obviously to have some of the adversity, a lot of adversity actually, uh, this year with, you know, the first 
time since 1888 playing football at USC, a coach was fired midseason. So having uh, you know him come in and then Coach Orgeron stepping in and, and, and really making us respectable, losing to the rivals, but all on balance a very, very positive uh, transition that, that took place. And then with Coach O leaving, I think that connection that they had and the family feel and the emotion that was really tied in, it, it, we, we know – all of us do, you know, that these players played, you know, for Coach Orgeron. Certainly we had a letdown in the UCLA game, and, and uh, we were kind of taken out of that game, and the emotion was kind of taken with it when we didn't really go toe-to-toe with them. But I think that uh, just the feel was unique, and I think to get it back after where the, you know, where the program had been to pick it back up was, was heroic. I mean, it was really tremendous to, to see that. And so I think that, you know, part of that is the, and you talked about it earlier, Ryan, things have happened so fast. The transition that's taken place with a new coach, you know, being announced less than 48 hours after that football game, we talked about it earlier, it feels like that game was like a month ago, just because there's been so much that's taken place in the course of, you know, several days. So I think that's part of it. I think that uh, these these young people will respond. I think Coach Sarkeesian understands the, the players. He'll get the buy-in. He's got to get the right staff in here quickly. I mean, I think that's that's going to be imperative that we get the right staff named and get you know get back to recruiting and, and get this thing put together. But you know, my situation, you know, Ted Tolner, I was recruited by Ted Tolner, and I was also recruited heavily by Larry Smith. Uh, Arizona and Stanford, uh, USC is really kind of what it came down to for me. I was recruited by UCLA, but they, you know, they were not part of the the last three that it came down to for me. Arizona was uh, was appealing. There was an opportunity to come in and play early as a as a freshman and compete for the job, and then Tolner got fired after the Notre Dame game. Uh, Tim Brown, that's a painful memory to talk about, but returning two punts and losing 38-37. And so he was fired, you know, before the bowl game. We played in the Citrus Bowl that year against Auburn. And, uh, you know, a lame duck coach, you know, so-called uh, going down to that bowl game. And then Larry Smith came over and took over in the spring. So I was a red shirt, and Rodney Pete obviously was a big, big part of our football team at the time. So it wasn't as big a deal for me Um uh, compared to you know what it is now. And so I think these guys ultimately as I said before, Steve Sarkeesian's the guy. I think he's gonna have the leadership. I think he's gonna take the, the, the reins and the helm and I think he needs to, you know, again get the right guys around him, call him the cavalry and get this thing moving. Because, you know, obviously a, a lot of you know what we talked about across town and what's taking place there and the momentum that's building, you know, we're gonna have to counter that and we're gonna have to really step up and, and uh, get after it. So I think uh I think he will. I feel good about it. Uh, you know, I think it is, if you take a look at it, a guy that understands the culture at USC, who understands the landscape in Southern California, they can come in, really plug and play and recruit. If you take a look at it, you know, Ryan, and I know we're about to sign off, if you take a look at a Jack Del Rio or an NFL coach, they could be a great coach, but as we know, they're going to be contracted until January or February, so that's going to be problematic with this recruiting class. And I think the urgency and the significance and importance of this class right now, getting the four midseason now and then getting a quality class put together right now is crucial for us. And then also keeping the juniors here. So I think a guy that comes in and understands USC, he's been here uh, and understands the you know everything that uh, you know locally here is very important. I think Steve Sarkeesian made, Coach Sarkeesian made a lot of sense for the program. So you actually had some parallels with uh, the current USC quarterbacks, Max Brown, and uh, Cody Kessler, Kessler was going to, you know, go to Washington until USC came in with the late offer. And 
Max Brown, obviously from the state of Washington, was recruited hard by Sark. So you had Larry Smith recruiting you and then end up at, ended right. up at USC. Yeah, it, I guess there are some parallels with that. I did not know that uh, Cody Kessler was, was taking a long, hard look at, uh, at Washington. I did know that uh, Max Brown was a quarterback and a very prolific, great, tremendous quarterback up there in the state of Washington. So um, there are some parallels. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, when they come in, when you come in and transition, you know, Sark had mentioned, he, you know, he knows – Oh, a lot of these kids, a lot of these young people from the recruiting process, some more than others, some were he's very hands-on, some that you know, obviously he had met maybe on a trip in but didn't spend as, as much time with them. But there's just uh, – it's a new start for some of the guys now that uh, they're coming in and, and having a chance to prove themselves. You know, Coach Sartesian is going to be around during the bowl preparation week and kind of taking a look at uh, that. I'm sure he's going to be spending a lot of time on film and spending a lot of time trying to get these juniors to come in. But, you know, it's going to be a new offer. It's going to be a new defense. Um, don't know what's going to happen, you know, with with Coach Baxter and the special teams, but certainly there's going to be changes from top to bottom. And so I think it's an opportunity, you know, for some guys to step up. It's going to be a fresh start for a lot of guys, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see it. And and certainly, as I said before, you know, for all the listeners out there, I think uh, that that may not be satisfied or may not be happy or maybe underwhelmed. It, it's time to get on board. You know, Coach Sarkeesian is the head coach, the head football coach at USC, and it's time to get behind him and it's time to uh, to look forward, not back, and get this uh, get this thing going. So I'm fired up, and hopefully you are too, Ryan, and, and we'll, uh, we'll get it going. Awesome, Shane. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. It's great to hear from you again. Sorry it's a little bit later on in the week. Uh, that's fine. No, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure coming on this season, and and uh, been happy to uh, come on and do these and talk about USC, a school that uh, we graduated from and we both love, and and uh, looking forward to the, the change. Sounds great. All right, Shane Foley underscore USC on Twitter or shanefoley.com. You can check him out there. We'll be back in a minute talking with former USC defensive end Lawrence Jackson. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We're back here on the Armchair Quarterback Podcast, joined by former former first-round NFL draft pick and former USC defensive end Lawrence Jackson. What's going on, Lawrence? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, no problem. It's always fun. Uh, it's a good time having you on, talking some USC football. We had uh, Shane Foley on. In the first segment, we want to talk about this coaching change, everything that's been going on. But uh, before we get into it, I know it's been a few days, but I wanted to talk about the the UCLA game a little bit. Just get kind of get your thoughts on on what happened in that game. You know, I thought the the UCLA game was uh, you know very disappointing in how the team kind of played from the second quarter on. Um, just seemed like they didn't have the same fight they had against Stanford. The same you know, excitement that they had against Stanford. Um, you know, the crowd was into it, but it didn't feel like the Stanford game. And I don't know if, 
you know, the ranking of UCLA not being number four in the country affected the mindset of everybody. But I felt that we could have came out there and, and gave it a, a better effort. But, you know, we fought our way back up until a certain point, and we had that key fumble um, by Buck Allen. And, you know, I think that right there was a game changer. But, um, you know, we had opportunities to win the game, and we just kind of deflated out there. You talk about the the deflation process, deflating. Orgeron had a lot of success as the head coach. With some of it, I mean, it seemed like there was a lot of emotion involved there. Could there be a factor where seven, eight games into uh, interim coaches run, you kind of run out of gas, like you can't really run on emotion anymore? Could that could have been a factor at all? You think? No, I don't. I don't think that was a factor um, because at that time they didn't know whether or not. Yeah, it was going to be around, or if he was going to not be around, uh, as a platform, as if he was going to be around. And it's unfortunate um, what happened to him, but I think that uh, the quarterback said the best is it wasn't Coach O's fault, it was their fault. You know, the players go out there and they didn't do enough to win, and we got beat pretty bad. And then uh, Sunday, um, all this news starts it's kind of swirling around. Monday morning, we hear. Uh, what's going on with uh, Sarkeesian? It looks like USC is going to hire Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Ed Ordron's not sticking around. He has a tearful goodbye to his players. Uh, you, you know, you know him pretty well. What did you think about how all that that went down on campus? You know, I'm I'm very sad for Coach O, but you know, you, you get the idea that they've exhausted as an athletic department. They exhausted. Um, every resource that they could in the independent coaching search, I believe. Um, And when you start that process, you know, at a given point, and, you know, you're the interim coach, you kind of, you're on the outside looking in a little bit, even though you're on the inside. And I think it was just uh, the right place, but the wrong time uh, for Coach O. He, you know, he deserved an opportunity to be the head coach, um, the reality of it is that um, if they were going to bring anybody in, you know, to replace them, it would have to be, you know, Sarkeesian. It was the only logical choice to, you know, to get rid of Coach O or to not retain him as a head coach. But, you know, I think that he did the, the right thing for him, although I'm disappointed in how um, he left the situation. But if he felt that it was, you know, the right thing for him, you know, I, I respect him for that. Um, and then another coach now, the the new head coach, USC, hired Steve Sarkeesian, like we said. Um, you know, you were on the team when, when he was around. You know him pretty good. What what are your overall thoughts on Steve Sarkeesian? You know, I, I like Coach Sark. Um, you know, when I was there, he was working with the receivers. I mean, not the receivers, the offense and the quarterbacks. And, and Kiffin was working with the receivers. And the both of them were um, kind of working with the scout team. Um, the scout team defensive players when we would go against the offense that year. So I got a chance to get to know him really well, um, you know, especially on, on the motivating side. Um, it's hard to get 30 freshmen or, you know, 30 freshmen with a couple of sophomores um, to go out there and perform on a daily basis, especially, you know, guys who are going 30 plays in a row. Um, and he did a good job with that. And, you know, I always respected him for his, you know, his leadership, and he's a very reliable, you know, dependable person um, and a stand-up guy. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, seven years. He's actually, this is his fifth stop at USC. Uh, head co- I mean, uh, assistant coach, I think, for seven years. 
uh, at USC. For for the USC fans out there that don't know him as well, what kind of team do you think uh, he's going to put together here at USC? You know, it, it's hard to say. Um, we have some type of idea of what kind of offense he's going to bring in, but um, I think all these guys played under, um, you know, smart coaches. He played under Coach Child, believe, when he was in college. So he has an idea of, you know, what it's like to be a player underneath a great coach, but he also learned underneath Coach uh, Coach Carroll and saw what he did with the talent that you know, California provided him in the West Coast and a couple of key guys from out of state. But I think that he's going to put together the best team, you know, to win um, and win his way. And we, we have to be open-minded and give him a chance to perform. Uh, the recruiting aspect comes in quite a bit. And people talk about this. This guy's a good recruiter. This guy's not a good recruiter or whatever. I mean, you went through the process. I know it's it's different now than than back when you went through. The, you know, there's a lot more stuff on the internet. You didn't really you weren't tweeting out your favorite schools uh, from Inglewood when <laughs> back in the day. Uh, but right. what what do you think is of you know you know Sark and 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 when he's labeled a good recruiter, what do you think that makes him a good recruiter? What why do people say that? Well, I mean, he he learned how to sell the program under um, under Coach Carroll and. When you see that in front of you and you're a part of bringing in big name players yourself, um, you know, that, that grows on you. And I think he had to get really good at it, being out at UW, getting a lot of players to leave California to come up to Washington and things like that. Um, you know, that takes great skill. And, you know, he pulled it off and they didn't win anything major up there. But to go from 0 12 to, you know, having a winning season was impressive and you have to be a good recruiter to get that done uh, yeah the 0-12 thing comes up quite a bit and uh, people talk about that um, you've been around a lot of different coaches there I, I think it takes a certain skill certainly to take a program that's in the dumps and and turn it around and, and get to an elite level uh, we didn't see really Washington get to an elite level you know hard to say in the next few years if they would have got there or not do you think that's a different skill set like a coach that can take a dumpster fire type of program, I guess you could say, and turn it into something that has a winning, you know, a winning program, or taking like a decent program and turning that into a championship team. Is that can that be the same guy, or is that kind of different skill set? No, I think it it could be the same guy. Um, what he did out there at UW was pretty remarkable. I mean, you're taking a situation where you have to change the entire culture. Um, get guys thinking about success and building it up one one brick at a time. And they got to a place where they, you know, were successful and competitive in a lot of games, um, different than what they had been before. But to get to that next level of winning a championship, um, you know, first you have to get the, the players to buy in. But to take it over the top, you have to get the right players. People forget that, um, you know, we had elite players when we were winning games under Coach Carroll. Um, we have a few, you know, a few good guys, but if you look at the roster compared to what it was back then, you know, there's, you know, a big difference in, in talent level across the board. Um, so I know the fans need to get used to that aspect of it and, and kind of understand that this is a new new time period. It's going to be different, although all these guys coach under Coach Carroll, they can't expect those same type of results. But I think that, you know, getting the players, the big-time players, that's the key to winning the championship more so, you know, than the coach. Um, 
so we'll see what Sark can do as far as getting big time players there. But the, I guess the first order of business, I mean, he's trying to take care of the staff right now. Only T. Martin's been announced. You know, where there's three reports of uh, Washington assistants coming down. There's a couple more, at least, that they're speculated to be be coming down. But there, you know, there's a question of the guys currently on the roster. And, you know, whenever there's a coaching change, you could get an underclassman that wants to transfer. Uh, there's draft eligible, ju- eligible juniors uh, that could potentially leave early. Uh, Edwards was a very popular figure, of course, and, and, and people loved him. And I think a lot of emotions early on where these players wanted to, you know, some of them just wanted to leave the program because they weren't happy with the way things were going. Do you think that's kind of an emotional thing? And is that something that Steve Sarkeesian is equipped to try to calm the nerves down, talk to these players and, and try to make sure the roster settles because with the sanctions, it's not really easy to replace a bunch of guys if they're going to leave the program. Right. I mean, I think that if guys want to leave, um, you know, you let those guys leave. Um, they're running away. You know, these are guys that can transfer. Um, they're running away from an opportunity to, to build something. I know these guys have gone through a lot the past couple of years with the sanctions, you know, to no fault of their own. But I do think that, um, you know, regarding the draft eligible guys, I don't think any of them did anything uh, to solidify themselves as a, a high first round pick. You know, Marquise Lee has the main factor and, and he performed at spots, but uh, he was also injured a lot. So um, that's going to hurt his draft stock if he decides to leave. So I think that, you know, the best business decision that these guys can make is to come back to school and get a degree and, uh, you know, learn how to, uh, learn how to, to network and, and meet with people and really tap in, into the USC network because, you know, that's what our school is about getting to know people and, you know, developing yourself to where, you know, you can help somebody or somebody can help you and leaving, going to, you know, going to the NFL early, it doesn't really, do anything, you know, for you if you aren't, you know, ready to perform, especially with the the rookie weight scale, the guys really aren't getting paid that much money, you know, come back, get a degree, set yourself up uh, for the rest of your life, and, you know, why take unnecessary risk? Now, you're one of those guys that, uh, you know, have been in the NFL, you've experienced that, the draft process, um, you know, getting your degree, and doing the networking stuff, I wanted to kind of get an update on what you're doing. I know, I know, before the UCLA game, I saw you up there on the on the stage talking with you know uh, for ESPN 710, doing some pregame show stuff. Uh, is that stuff you're interested in doing? And what what have you been doing? What have you been up to now since the the NFL's apparently is in the rearview mirror now? Yeah, um, you know, initially I had my eyes set on um, you know doing some sort of broadcasting, but an opportunity came up. There's a vacancy at my high school for the head coaching position, and I've been working with the, the program trying to, you know, get it turned around in various ways for the past few years. So uh, I'm going to apply for the head coaching job at my high school and, you know, hopefully get that job and, and turn it around and get these guys focused on the right thing. So that's been taking up uh, a lot of my time, just formulating everything and, and getting the presentation together. So um, the principal knows that I'm not coming in to be successful only on name factor, uh, but I actually have a vision and a plan to, to help the, the kids succeed and put them in a position to be agents agents of change on campus and, you know, raise the, the, the standard of, 
you know, expectations, you know, to not give them a break and not expect, you know, anything less than excellence from, you know, not only the, the, the football players, but the students and the general population as well. Well, that's great. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know you were going to apply for the head coaching job there. I did that, that'll be awesome. I mean, it's, I've been down to Inglewood a number of different times and uh, I love just seeing the, the, you know, the coaches have so much love for the game and, and love for the players and trying to get these guys motivated and teach them the right skills and, and keep, you know, keep their head on straight and stuff. So best, best of luck if you're able to, especially if you're able to land that job, that'd be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What, what made you want to go into to coaching? Well, um, you know, I have a vision that reaches throughout the, the entire community and I think that, um, you know, to be able to sell somebody on your vision, they have to know that you are 100% in. Uh, you know, I've helped out monetarily and with my time in the past, but I think that, you know, with this opportunity being open, I don't know when the next opportunity is going to come, and I don't know where I'm going to be at in, in my life right now. Um you know, I have the ability to, you know, decide what and how I want to proceed moving forward and, and what do what do I want to tackle. And I think that, um, you know, starting start a wave of community change has to begin with, you know, my individual area of expertise, which is um, football. I feel like that is me doing my part and, you know, going back in there and taking the white gloves off and actually getting dirty for change um, is what's needed at this time. So, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, applying and getting a job and moving forward and, and taking it to, to another level of, um, you know, personal achievement in, in, in my community. The kids need to learn how to excel. It's a, I mean, it's going to be a challenging – it's a challenging spot. Like, I've been to Inglewood. I've been to other – high school programs. I mean, you're on the field and there's like airplanes going over the field and it's not in the best shape. And, you know, a lot of kids are having troubles and it's, it's a challenge, not just football wise, but just everything else. There's a lot of challenges. Was that part of the reason, like maybe not be an assistant coach in college or a different program? You wanted to be part of that Inglewood community and try to make it better? Well, I mean, I don't have, at this point, I've achieved uh, my personal goals in life. There are um, you know, next, you know, next tier, I would say, goals that I have that are coming up that I want to, you know, achieve. But at this point in time, I feel like the most important thing is giving back because life has given me so much and I'm so thankful for what football has done for me. I'm in a situation that has put me in and, um, you know, instead of going out and pursuing more monetary gain for myself or pursuing selfish interests, uh, you know, to make me happy. I recognize that I'm happy just as I am. And, uh, you know, I could do whatever I want off the field uh, to bring income if I'm passionate about it. But the one thing that I know right now that I'm passionate about is immediate change, um, you know, for the kids in my community and getting a program put into place at the high school where the, the kids are excited about it. Um, you know, they want to show up to it. it it's going to be a big project, you know, if it all goes through. But um, I think the time is now for change. You know, I can't wait um, for somebody else to do it. I have to get in there, you know, and do my part one brick at a time. Well, 
Awesome. Well, we wish you best of luck there. It's uh, a lot of great people I've met over there at Inglewood at the program. So I, hopefully you get the job and uh, you'll be able to, to, to do well with those guys. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, one last thing before we let you go. Um, your old boss, your old coach, I guess, I don't know if boss is the right word, your old coach, Pete Carroll's doing pretty well up there uh, in Seattle right now. I mean, you saw the game. Uh, was it was it Monday night game or Sunday night game or whatever? I mean, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, Monday night. What was it? I said Monday night game. Monday night, yeah. I mean, pretty nuts the way they were going. You know, just took Drew Brees to, to, to school out there. I think they're 11-1 right now. What do you think of what the Seahawks are doing? You know, I'm, I'm happy for those guys. Um, you know, earlier on I didn't know um, how, you know, how his coaching style would translate over to the NFL, and I knew what we had on the roster at that time. And, um, you know, he wanted to win, but, you know, I always felt that um, they needed to make some roster moves to kind of get over the hump. And, you know, he and Schneider, they worked together and they figured out exactly what they want and what they need and, you know, how to go get in, how to get value. Um, and I think he had a, a head start on that by recruiting the guys to come to SC, so he had a vast, you know, encyclopedia of who's talented and who's not. But I think that, um, you know, he's done a great job out there. I'm, I'm happy for him, and you know, I hope they continue uh, to improve. Um, you know, he deserves it. Although, you know, he left the university at, at a rough time and, and was in a bad, a bad spot. But you know, I'm happy for him. He's having success. You can't wish ill on anyone. Do you do you follow the NFL pretty closely, or mostly college football, or what? What do you like to watch, or, or maybe? Uh, I follow the NFL, you know, probably a little bit more so than college football. Um, you know, if I have a chance to watch something other than sports, I'm definitely diving into that. But you know, I'm an NFL guy. Do you now? You don't want to go back at all. You don't want to go try and play again. Or you think you'll get the itch to? No, no, I don't. I don't have the interest. I don't necessarily agree with you know, the business model and, you know, the level of sacrifice for, um, you know, I guess you would say like unquantifiable returns. Um, you know, the level that you have to commit to, but you don't know what you're going to get back from it. And you're dealing with politics and, you know, things like that. I could tell you one thing that if I were out in Minnesota right now, three, eight and one or whatever they are, I'd be pretty pissed off. So, um, you know, I'm glad that, uh, I'm, you know, happy, and then I'm home with my family and friends. You know, money isn't everything. Uh, you know, I went to Minnesota to see Jared Allen to see what a great defensive end looked like every single day. And, uh, you know, seeing him uh, allowed me to feel comfortable and not necessarily pursuing that anymore. It's, uh, I, it's, it's unimaginable to me how the NFL guys who put their bodies through so much and they're the only ones really that don't have these guaranteed contracts. You can be a horrible seven foot stiff in the NBA and sign like a five year, twenty five million dollar deal and never produce and you're basically traded because of your contracts expiring. It's it's hilarious to me how that I mean not hilarious, but it's it's crazy how that can be the case when, you know, NBA is one way, major league baseball is one way, and, and the NFL where you're really putting your body you know, your body on the line all the time, you can get cut just because you get hurt, and it's 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 just right. it's sad. Right. Yeah, it's definitely a, a cutthroat business, and um, you know you can get really deep into into it and understand it on on a whole other level. But um, you know the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and as a player, 
you know, I realized that getting there isn't necessarily just going to be a result of the work that the players put in, but, you know, the coach, the head coach, how he works with his assistant coaches, the general manager, you know, the president, the owner, what kind of resources is he allocating, you know, for development. So you're relying on so many different things uh, to have a successful career that I just felt, you know, I'm a smart enough guy to, to not necessarily have to rely on football to make a living. You know, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I might as well, you know, just move on. Well, it sounds good, Lawrence. We appreciate uh, your insights and your candor. It's always fun to talk to you about that stuff, and we wish you the best of luck at the Inglewood head coaching job or wherever you, wherever you end up there. We'll certainly keep up with this. We'll try to do these armchair quarterback podcasts even during the offseason, probably not every week like we've been doing, but we'd love to keep getting you on and, and talking about what's going on and, and get some updates from you. Yep, I'm always around, man. Cool. Well, thanks, Lawrence. And uh, everyone else, thanks very much for tuning in to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast. We have a special recruiting podcast coming up on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Look on uscfootball.com. We'll have more details. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.